All right. Hey, welcome to On This Hill, a podcast of Church on the Hill. We are back. I think we're in episode 14 now. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a sunny day on the hill. Glad to have you with it us is. today. Yeah. Yeah. How's your day going? Uh, so far, so good. I love summer. It's beautiful. Yeah. And what's the normal day of a lead pastor look like? Just <laughs> sit behind a big... I imagine yeah. you like sitting behind a big the oak desk, yeah. like a, a wall of books behind you, yeah, yeah. and you're yeah. just like meditatively yeah. thinking yeah. about uh, just, transubstantiation. Um, the deeper things, the deeper things yeah. of, of life. Actually, it's made up of a whole bunch of little things. Yeah, I know. Some are yeah. practical and some are... Unpractical. Yeah, I think people. I think it would be really interesting, maybe to at least some people, like what happens on a regular day in the life of a pastor. Yeah, I mean, you can get a call because someone's battery died, and hey, Bruce, you think you can give me a hand? Or uh, then you get a a call because someone's in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of today in a way. You know, lady needs help with the rent, so we got to get her a check. Or somebody needs something going on with the family memorial service tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, Sunday the weekend and. Yeah, ready. Yeah, just think about this weekend. This weekend, uh, Friday is a memorial service. Saturday's two things. There's the outreach downtown. We we see you mm-hmm. um, outreach downtown to the homeless. There's a, an event at our Kaiser campus that's um, it's uh, Salem Angels right. serving all these foster families and yeah. loving on yeah. them. And then of course on Sunday, there's gonna I have be a wedding Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon, you go to a wedding. That's right. Yeah, so. And three services on Sunday. Yeah. So yeah. If you want a job that you every day is different, this is this is the job for you. That's very true. So, yeah. But, yeah, but it's all good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Last week we were uh, we kind of diverging a little bit from just answering questions, and we started talking about. I guess it diverged starting with Alfonso, huh? So Alfonso came in a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And you had a great conversation with him. I enjoyed watching that, even yeah. though he was sitting in my chair, and you know, I know he let us know. But I enjoyed <laughs> doing it because I I love hearing from our thirty somethings who yeah. are in ministry together uh-huh. with us, and they lead and they lead well. Yeah. And uh, hearing what this looks like, this being our current culture and our mm-hmm. current kind of uh, situation we live in, and ministering in these days from that perspective, I think right. it's super interesting. Well, I. I I absolutely love it too because uh, one, I remember when I first came to Church on the Hill, 2010, and at that time all the elders were gathering once a week at like six in the morning yeah, yeah. Uh, to pray. And one of the things we prayed about the most was millennials. Right. And at that time they weren't thirty somethings; they were early twenties, twenty somethings, yeah, you know, just, or just coming into their twenties, so just coming yeah. into adulthood, and just praying like, "Oh God, like please bring in this generation, bring in this generation, not not just to to sit in the pews, but to lead." And now, like, a good amount of our leadership at Church on the Hill is from that generation, and they're looking now at the Gen Z and saying, oh, God, bring in this generation. Yeah, Yeah, that's cool how you see the waves, um, and that's how it works. One generation should tell the other. One of the things that's been happening with that generation, um, we hear it from from our folks a lot, is uh, they've got a lot of questions about their faith. Yep, that's what's going on right now. Because they're in, they're inheriting a faith like everyone does from a previous generation, both from mine, which is Gen X, and yours, Boomer. I, I hate to even say Boomer because it it kind of became an insult. So just saying someone's a Boomer, sure. yeah, feels like an insult, but it's uh, not. But it's that's where I landed. That's my category. It's, yeah. Children of the World War II generation. Yeah, you know. but they inherited uh, a faith that. Like it or not, that's what happens, is we get a lot of traditions that work for us in our generation, in our culture, and then our kids just come into it. And then they start to ask maybe questions of, well, I've inherited the faith, but what about this or that? 
do, do I believe that that you told me to believe, or do I not believe that? Yeah. And do I believe in Jesus, right. or do I not believe in Jesus? Yeah. And, and if I don't, what do I believe? Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think anybody can live in a vacuum. If you don't believe, then that's mm-hmm. fine. But I, I'm, I'm, that's what, when I have conversations with people, I'm, I'm always curious when they say, well, I don't believe in God. It's like, yeah. tell me more. Yeah. I want to I hear more. What, what, yeah, tell what me about do the God you, you don't in? believe in yeah. is a great yeah. question. Or tell me what you do believe in in the sense of... Yeah. Because I think everybody lives by faith, if you just use the word generically, yeah. faith in something. If it's not faith in God, that's I get that, but maybe it... So is it faith in you? Is it faith in the government? Is it faith in the United Nations? Is it... What, what, what's, what's the faith in? Yeah. I've had that conversation with a few people when they say they don't believe in God. I'm like, well, describe the God yeah, you don't God believe, you don't believe in. in. right? And often at the end of the conversation, I'm like, well... I don't believe in that God either, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah if, if that's the God you've, you've disbelieved, can I introduce you to another God and uh, see what you think of that and, and actually you know, meet the God who is and not the God of your imagination? Right, yeah. The, yeah. Don't you think, I was, I was reflecting on this as we were uh, getting ready this week for the podcast, mm-hmm. the last few years has seen an acceleration, yeah. I would say, since the pandemic, mm-hmm. because not just the pandemic, but the last three years of... Uh, natural disasters, forest fires, pandemics, uh, um, unrest, racial unrest, injustice, all this kind of stuff has really stirred the emotional pot, so to speak, in people. Yeah. And, and poli- po- politics, too, yeah, even yeah. before that. Elections, yeah. polarization, all that kind of stuff. Because yeah. I think we saw, even before the pandemic, a fair amount of, I say, high-profile Christian verging on celebrity types that are worship leaders or right. or others that that suddenly said I'm deconstructing my faith. Yeah. And and at first it might have been like well I'm just taking a look at this because often it seemed to be around the social justice issues because they were feeling pressure from a culture that I think told them well your faith is bigoted or your faith is homophobic or your faith is and suddenly they're like well maybe I need to question my faith because I believe that God is love. And so they started taking pieces out. Well, I no longer believe this. And I know I've said that before, but I've taken that out of my faith. I don't believe it anymore. But for a fair amount of them, they ended up taking Jesus out of their faith. Yeah. And so they, they lost they faith. Replaced. Yeah. It's interesting to me that, um, in a way, the Bible uh, speaks to how good it is that our faith is tested, right? right. James said, hey, count it all joy when you encounter trials, because mm-hmm. the, the testing of your faith yeah. needs to come out as as pure gold. So even God himself uh, will test faith, I think, and yeah. circumstances test our faith. So it's not... You think it's totally a bad thing? I mean, it, yeah, I, know. I, I think there's some real yeah. good that can come out of it. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think so too. I... I I, I would hesitate to just jump on anyone who came and wanted to ask questions about their faith. I mean, I feel like that's always counterproductive. If someone comes, and as pastors, you, you know, we, right. we get this all the time. Someone will ask a question like, man, I, I used to believe this about the Bible, but I don't know if I do anymore. And, and, and so we don't just say, how dare you? How dare you question God? Or how dare you question the Word maybe of there, God? Because wasn't there a time maybe years ago where you yeah. were told kind of told that. Yeah. Hey, just oh, don't question yeah. it, just believe it. Yeah. Matter of fact, I can tell you a moment when I was still pretty young, but coming into adulthood. And um, so I came from a background that's different than the Assemblies of God, Church on the Hill that, that I'm in now. Um, I, don't, I don't mind naming it because it, it, it was a church that blessed me greatly, but it's very different than I now believe. It was called the Church of God of Prophecy. Everyone 
smiles when I say that or laughs a little bit because I know it is a ridiculous name for a church, the Church of God of Prophecy. And you're like, well, do people just stand up and prophesy all the time? But that's a bigger story I won't get into. But I I was raised in that church. I still really love that church, Um, but I have changed my views on some things from the church that I came into as a child to now my adulthood. And I remember a moment in, uh, in, it was in a youth camp actually, and um, I had a question and it was about uh, faith, but really it was about practices, and because that church had a very strong emphasis on these practices will will lead to destruction, and and some of them now you'll you'll smile at like going to the movie theaters or right. going to bowling alleys yeah. or dancing or or they they call, used to call it mixed bathing they meant swimming right. together with the opposite sex and um, all these different things. And I remember getting brave because they told us, like, this is a time for you to ask any question you want to ask. Feel free. Like, don't worry. And so I, I timidly raised my hand because we were at... I can just picture Oh, this. yeah. We were at the time where suddenly saying don't go to movie theater didn't mean anything anymore because everyone had this new device called a VHS player, which right. would have to explain to young kids. But it was a way to rent movies and watch them in, in yeah, your home. Sort of an end run around the rule. Exactly. And so I raised my hand and I said, hey, uh, just, you know, just quick question. I, 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 I don't want to get in trouble, but we can't go to movie theaters, but I rent and I watch it at home. Like, does it really matter? Like, does that rule make sense anymore? And and the, the person in charge leveled a finger at me <laughs> and, and yelled, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. <laughs> That's so helpful when you're young. <laughs> what happened is I decided I'm never going to ask another question. Right, yeah. And I grew up in a faith, uh, the Catholic tradition, where I went to a Catholic school for uh, eight years. And so um, super authoritarian, right? Right. And so I'm a child of the late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. And uh, the move of the political move, the cultural move yeah. in the 60s and 70s was what? Question authority. Absolutely. Uh, at all levels. Yeah. And so here Including I am. Including the authority of the church. Oh, and the church was yeah. almost the, of course, that's the, isn't that the rub? Because you're arguing with God now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's one thing to question a Republican or a Democratic party or something, but yeah. if you're questioning God's authority then, yeah. and so to ask a question was almost the exact same identical response, yeah. was just to shut it down, mm-hmm. to pull the authority card and just say, yeah. um, just believe it, that's just the way it is. But mm-hmm. I think times have changed so much now. You use the word deconstruction. I think yeah. that's a great word. It's kind of a literary term mm-hmm. that, that just talks about delving into mm-hmm. to literature, playwright, so forth, and yeah. find the deeper meanings and what, what's congruent and so forth. But mm-hmm. how, do you, how does that work in faith? What does that right. look like in faith? Yeah. Uh, I, I think the conversations I've had, the way it makes sense to me is to say, um, no matter what age I, I got saved at, I came into faith. For me, it was like eight years old. And so if my eight-year-old faith no longer makes sense at 18 or 28 or 38, then I probably should look at some of my beliefs because I I probably had some pretty immature, undeveloped beliefs in things. Now, talking about the faith of a child, and, and, and I don't curse that faith, but I probably had some understanding of Scripture that was pretty wonky. Because, you know, try to have a deep conversation about, you know, things with an eight-year-old. He just doesn't have enough life experience to understand uh, Old Testament theology or the wars. I mean, there's just a lot that I'm just not thinking through. Yeah. I've just uncritically... The deeper questions of life that you, you uh, haven't uh, even asked Uncritically yet. accepted. Yeah. But then someone might ask me a question, say at 18, for instance, when I go into college, and someone says, well, wait a minute, you're a Christian, so you're okay with genocide in the Old Testament? Right. 
And I, bah, da, 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 bah, bah. <laughs> I've never even thought about it before. Yeah. And so I better deconstruct, well, look at what I've agreed on and say, well, is this, is what I believe yeah. what the Word of God says? Or something rocks your world personally. I've oh, seen yeah. this at, at many times, like mm-hmm. a tragedy strikes yeah. and it's a senseless tragedy, an mm-hmm. unexplainable tragedy. And all of a sudden you're faced with, well, I've yeah. been told or I believe God is good, right? And right. We used to, they used to do this in church, right? God is good. And the response all the time. Be, and all the time. All the time, God is God good. God is good. And then all of a sudden... This tragedy hits, mm-hmm. and those words get stuck in your throat. Right, and so, but this this the idea of uh, of, of of reconstruction or mm-hmm. or uh, kind of maybe growing up in your faith, maturing. Don't you think Jesus kind of did this even with the disciples yeah. to some degree? Like they had a, a measure yeah. of understanding and a measure of faith. But we find him saying things and doing things where Jesus is like, actually, you guys, that yeah. that doesn't work here. Wouldn't the Church on the Hill probably? Our Church on the Hill. Sorry. Stuck in my head because where we are, uh, wouldn't the Sermon on the Hill be like maybe the best example? Of this? Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're Church on the Hill. We could be Church on the Mount, but that's a sermon. <laughs> I should read my Bible. <laughs> this past, this past Jason, folks. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Go ahead. I need to reconstruct some things. <laughs> We've I've all had a long week here. Yeah. We talked about that. Uh, wouldn't Wouldn't the Sermon on the Mount be a great example of that? Because he'll say yeah. things like, "You've heard, heard it, it said." said and he's, he's taking things, some that were just cultural, that weren't actually in the Torah or the law, but they had it'd become like real right. to them. And other things he, he was taking like right from the law and, and helping them understand like, you say this, but really the law says this, and I'm saying this, and he's speaking with authority on topics, yeah. that it was kind of blowing their mind. And so I think that's a really fair thing to do for anybody to say, wow. You know, maybe for someone to even ask their pastor, like, well, you say this, right. what does that mean yeah. when you say that? You and, know, I love, personally as a pastor, yeah. I love that, oh, because yeah, at least I know people are thinking. Mm-hmm. What scares me is when people just sort of agree without any yeah. sort of pushback, or of course, I don't want to argue about th- things that doesn't produce, but mm-hmm. I think the idea of hungry seekers, and yeah. you know, Os Guinness, uh, a, a very well-known writer from across the, 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 the world there, um, he's written several books. He's a fascinating intellectual, but he, he has this quote that has always stuck with me. He said, true seeking actually begins. True, mm-hmm. true seeking, the posture of seeking, begins with oftentimes disbelief. Mm-hmm. You think, well, wait a minute. That doesn't make... But then yeah. he, he goes on and says, because the, what, what that means, that disbelief is, I stop believing in what I used to believe because... That no longer answers new questions that I've yeah. encountered. That's loosely yeah. quoted there. But I have new questions or mm-hmm. new challenges or new trials that the old belief yeah. don't don't answer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you think you know what a word, uh, a kind of a synonym maybe for for the idea of deconstruction would be retrofit. We actually mm-hmm. did a yeah. series here. That's uh, true. Was what I think it was maybe a year and a half, two years ago, called yeah. um, retrofit. And the mm-hmm. idea there, it's kind of a building term that we see everywhere around us. Uh, yeah. Old buildings that were built beautifully and wonderfully in their time right. n- no longer have the integrity right. they to withstand... They don't meet code anymore. Yeah, yeah, or storms or earthquakes yeah. or things like that. So they want to preserve the building. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they go in, they don't level yeah. the building, but right. they put I-beams in certain critical places, mm-hmm. in certain yeah. uh, configurations, so that... When the earth moves again someday, the building will stand, right? That's a great picture. I never thought of of that word picture exactly, but that's great because you're preserving the history, right? but you're making something stronger, not weaker. Though I 
talking to a friend a, a few years ago who was going through a time like this, and she was really worried about it. She's like, Jason, I'm afraid. I'm not used to asking questions of my faith, mm. but I, I can't stop asking questions. I feel like I have to find answers to these things that I used to not even think about, but now I have to. I have to have answers or I'm not going to be able to go on with Jesus. Yeah. There's certain things I just I need to understand better than I do now. And I remember praying with her and, and, and kind of talking her through it and saying, talking about like a remodel of a house. And it, when you remodel a house, you know there are some things you can change and not really have to think about. Like if you're just changing the color of the walls, just change the color to whatever yeah. color you want. But if you're going to move a wall, you have to ask some serious questions. Like, is this a load-bearing wall? If it's not, if it's just, no, it's just put up to divide these two rooms so you have two bedrooms and I'd like to have one big bedroom and I tear that wall down. That's yep. fine. It's up to you as the homeowner. doesn't affect the integrity of the home. But if you tear down a wall that is load-bearing, then your roof's going to come down on top of you. And I, I think when we talk about deconstruction, you have to realize there are some things that we can disagree on and be just fine. Like, oh, I like my walls to be gray and you like your walls to be yellow. That's fine. We yeah. just, we have a different taste. Yeah. But there are some things we have to agree on or we don't have a house anymore. Yeah. Like I, it's not safe or it's, yeah, gonna, it's non-existent. Exactly. And, and there are parts of faith uh, that you can't take Jesus out of Christianity. Oh. And that, that's a really big, obviously, a Or pillar. reinvent him. Yeah. Or you can't even say, well, I, no, I believe there was a historical Jesus. I just don't believe he rose from the dead. Right, yeah. Like, well, okay, then you've lost the gospel. You, you have maybe a beautiful story. But it's kind of the beautiful story of a crazy man, uh, because you're you're not really believing what he says anymore, yeah. and and so there are some things you just can't take out. If you if you go forward and say, well, I've deconstructed my faith, and here's my new faith, and it doesn't match historical Orthodox Christianity in its pillars, um, then you've actually lost something. You've lost faith. Yeah, yeah. which is interesting. The losing the faith piece. Do you think there's a parallel? Because I think in a in our in our world over the last thirty or forty years, there's there's always been this um, well probably longer than that historically, but this kind of a revolutionary motif, right? Where uh, someone that's trying to overthrow a country will they want to come in and just yeah. uh, uh, tear down the government, right. tear it all down, we or burn it down or whatever, yeah. scorched earth, mm-hmm. and then from the ashes and from the rubble mm-hmm. will arise a new society that will yeah. be pure and lovely, kind to everyone, just. But we never see that. Yeah. We never actually yeah. see it. It's been tried over and over and over again in Latin yeah. America, in mm-hmm. Europe, in Asia. We never see yeah. beauty and wonder rise from the ashes of, 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 of revolution. Yeah. So do you think there's kind of that same approach sometimes, and maybe it's fed by a media or by a worldwide internet with access mm-hmm. to information where people are just burning it down and then, yeah. well, let's think about it later. I'm just mm-hmm. going to reject my faith. Yeah. And then just, I'll figure it out later, as yeah. opposed to, I think what we're describing is more of a careful and honest. Yeah. When people tell me, you know, I ask them a question, I'll, I'll be sitting down with somebody perhaps, and, and um, in a coffee situation or a counseling situation, they want to talk to a pastor about their faith, and they'll often say, well, I'm agnostic. Mm-hmm. And I think, that, okay, that's, that's a great word. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that. What, what kind of agnostic are you, if you want to use the word spectrum? Where on the spectrum are? Yeah. Because an agnostic, I think, is someone yeah. who hasn't, just hasn't seen enough evidence to believe, but mm. they would if they had enough evidence. So, yeah. so on the spectrum, or are you way over on the other side yeah. where I'm not going to believe it doesn't matter what anybody tells me? There's a funny thing. I saw um, 
someone a bumper sticker. Uh, but I, I thought, oh, that's so funny. Because they, they said, I'm, the bumper sticker said, I'm militant agnostic. I don't know if there's a God and neither do you. Yeah, I, I that that's is, an open mind. <laughs> I, I, that's so funny. That is not what agnostic means. Agnostic is someone who's maybe more searching for answers. And maybe you don't believe you can find an answer, but it's a, what a funny way to say it. So That is interesting. And I often wonder if it's not, do you think... That sometimes, I don't want to get off topic, but sometimes the whole deconstruction thing mm-hmm. can be a smokescreen for a deeper issue. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't really want there to be a God. Yeah. Because if there was... I'm accountable. I'm accountable, yeah. 100%. Yeah, and I, I think that happens more than we like to admit and something I like to have conversation with people about. Yeah. Like, why are you really questioning this about God? And because... it. it because to get an answer, you better be honest about why you're asking the questions, because you're going to be prone to seek a certain answer if you're coming at it for, for a reason. Well, I, I really want to sleep with my girlfriend before we get married, and so I'm going to look at Scripture through this lens of, do I really have to be you know, pure before marriage and celibate, or is that something that modern Christianity has brought to the gospel? Yeah, imposed on well, us. Well, you're, you're bringing your wants to it, so good luck finding an honest answer, because, you know, you're going to be hard-pressed to find it. You're already looking through the glasses of, this is what I want to see here. Um, and uh, something really funny, you were talking about tearing everything down and not worrying about you know, do, well, we'll just fix it after we tear it down without a plan. We'll just destroy it, whether it be... I, I was listening to a really interesting uh, conversation about... Um, remember Occupy Wall Street? Yeah. Remember yeah. all that happened? It was huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was... It, it took over, you know, the city in, in, in several cities, but, you know, it started in, in New York, and people were just protesting and saying, like, hey, the financial system needs to be destroyed. Like there, it's the one percenters is where that that conversation started about the one percenters yeah. and all the rest of us. The injustice, yeah. And it was from a reporter who was sitting on the inside of it, had had really joined it in a, in a way. You know, he was in the trenches with them, and he said the craziest thing happened over time while they were there. And this isn't me; I, I don't have a strong opinion about it. I just found it interesting. But he said what happened was they were this group of anarchists, and and and. They just believe, like, we, we just need to destroy this. There ne- needs to be no systems. But over time, they were there long enough that people started to hurt one another. People started to need food. People started to need water. They started, like, what became, what was just a sit-down protest became a place to live. And they realized, like, oh, wow, it'd be great if, uh, if there was someone that <laughs> We could, had a mayor. <laughs> it'd be, exactly. It'd be great if there was someone that would keep other people yeah. from hurting one another. And someone someone's kind like, and just and You mean altruistic. Like, like police? Like, no, 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 no police. Yeah. Like, oh, just someone who was going to then, but look at us and make sure that no one gets hurt. And what if we had a way to trade? Like, if you had food and I had this and we could write little scripts Barter. and then we could trade for it. You're like, money? No, 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 not money. We yeah. don't want money. <laughs> but you end up rebuilding the very thing you right. tore down. And you need to ask yourself the question. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said, before you tear down a fence, ask why it was there in the first place. Because uh, you might in, you know, buy new land and you find a fence, you're like, well, this fence doesn't make sense. Why is this fence here at all? And you just tear it down. And the next thing you know, your neighbor's cows are all over your stuff. Like, yeah. oh, that's why they put that the fence, fence there. Fence has history. Yeah. And I think that's true of, of rules and life and of doctrines in Christianity. Before you tear one down, you might want to ask, what was the heresy that made the church write this doctrine that say, hey, we really need to hold to this? Um, w- we need to believe this. 
And before you just take that pillar out, you might want to see what it's holding up because it could be holding the roof up over your head. So just talk for a second about the connection between this whole movement of, you know, we hear it all the time, the nuns, the, mm-hmm. the people who have no, they're no longer identified with any religion. Uh, they don't belong to any church or any organization, any community. Their community is, mm-hmm. I don't know, the kayaking community or the biking community or something that yeah. they've found. But um, uh, what, what, how do you think that this works, this idea of being on your own, yeah. being separated from community? Mm-hmm. Versus, yeah. hey, let's do this together. Yeah. Let, let's ask the hard questions together. Yeah. Let's 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 dig into history together. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 dig into the debate yeah. together. Yeah. Uh, well, there I think I think I mean, wouldn't you say there's like guardrails? This is what will keep us safe in this process. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe you could call it like the building code in a way. There's a reason why they say like, oh, your 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 roof needs to have this pitch. In Oregon, it'll be different in different places depending on the weather and the climate. But you know, here we better at least have this pitch. Um, so you, you need to look at a few things that are going to keep you safe if you're going through this process and realize, like, yeah, I really need to rethink my eight-year-old faith from when I got saved as a kid to what I need to believe today. And I'd say one of the best guardrails outside of the Word of God, maybe the Word of God would be the very first one. Well, first, it, what you believe has to line up with the Word of God or you're lost. You're just, you've got a religion of your own making. Yeah. But the second one would be the community of God. And doesn't the community, though, help yeah. you? Because there are, it's true, there are portions of the Word of God that are like baffling, like, oh. wait, what? What did, they, what did they do? What did that? So 66 books in this Bible that that is thousands of years old by hundreds of authors, right? right. Uh, or people that contributed to it. And so having some sense of connection with history yeah. and, and, and yeah. scholarly history and, yeah. and origin and all that kind of stuff, right. it would seem like that would be a healthy, a healthy deconstruction, yeah. a healthy or a healthy yeah. retrofit. You, uh, you know Tim Walter, he's, yeah. he's at the Youth of the Mission here, and he, he uh, is the lead of Gospel Focus Ministries that does evangelism. And back when I was in Youth of the Mission with him, uh, he had this kind of club, a group of us that got together, and uh, he, he, what we did is he said we, the way he started is like, we want to read old, uh, old dead guys' you know, writings, Christian old dead guys. It's Tim Walter. The guys who built the fence. That's the way he talks, yeah. And... Uh, and it's not that I hadn't done it before, but he was doing it so deliberately because he was realizing, like, man, we're getting all these young Gen Z millennials in here, and they're only listening to their generation. In the echo chamber of yeah. their generation. And so uh, they certainly have community, and they're listening to community, but it's it's only as deep as this five-year swath. Right. Like, if, if you're within this five years of my birth, then I listen to you. But if you're outside of that, so you're cutting off, like you're much smaller than 1% of the thought that's gone into Christianity, much, much smaller. There's a small, Over 2, small years. percentage yeah, yeah. of thought has gone into it from that group of people. And so besides just your, your church community, which is going to live basically within two or three generations of you up and down, you need to go backwards in faith. 2,000 years and more into the Old Testament, right. but at least 2,000 years into Christian thought and, and ask questions of, oh, why, when did this doctrine come? How long have people been believing what I believe 
about uh, the end times. Mm -hmm. Is that relatively new, or right. has that been believed for a very long time? Because it's relatively new, and and it's only say it's only been two hundred years, and then there's eighteen hundred years of people believing something else. Maybe I should hold it pretty lightly. Maybe what they believe for eighteen hundred years has more weight than than what we've just started to figure out right now. Yeah. So yeah, I think those guardrails are incredibly, incredibly important. We're going to uh, continue to pick at this over the next few weeks in yeah. in, uh, in our podcast. So, stay mm -hmm. tuned, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to continue to kind of unpack some of the some of the issues we see around us. That it's exciting. Um, some people mm -hmm. are discouraged at the state of the church. I'm actually yeah. super encouraged because I believe history moves in cycles, and I think this is uh, a cycle that we're in. And mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't change God. There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Humanity doesn't change necessarily right. uh, in the sense of at, at its core. And mm -hmm. so I think we're going to see. Yeah. Uh, I think we we talked about reading the times. What time are we in? Yeah, because like, when you're a, when you're a, a product of your time, you don't really know. It, it's like I can leave my culture. I just came back from Mexico on a mission trip. Leaving my culture always makes me look at it a little bit differently and go, "Oh wow, we're kind of yeah. uptight about when things start. Right. Or we're kind of we materialistic, or we're kind of." But to leave my time is a harder thing to do. I have to read. It's the only way I can do it. I, I don't have a time machine, right. so I have to get something. Or I have to I, listen. I have to read. You have to listen, yeah, but to other generations and to other voices, and uh, so worth doing. And paying attention to what time am I in, what, what, is, uh, what is the culture today, and how do I um, not uncritically accept it? If I, if I feel like I shouldn't just uncritically accept my faith, maybe I also shouldn't uncritically accept my culture. Yeah. That's a winner. Yeah, it is. All right, we should end there, huh? All right, friends. Well, thanks for joining us on this little uh, journey um, through Scripture and, and conversation about faith. I uh, hope you join us on Sundays. That's where the real stuff happens. Uh, so that's where we get in the room together. It makes all the difference in the world, uh, being shoulder to shoulder in worship and in the Word. So come join us on Sundays. And uh, until then, we'll, we'll yeah. see you. Look for the podcast on Monday. Mm -hmm. We're going to air on Monday. And uh, we'd love to have you connect. And if it uh, benefits you, you think it's interesting, pass it along to somebody yep. else. God bless and see you soon.